There is no error with your audio outputs. Do not attempt to fix any sound issues. We are monitoring you with this device. We control your options and settings. We are transmitting through your internet connection, but our signal is actually entering your mind, sending electrical impulses into the very tissues of your brain. Try to stay calm. We've taken over your senses for the duration of this broadcast. You are helpless to resist. We have taken control for your own sake. There are things you must know. This is Paranoia Radio, hosted by Olaf Phillips and Ron Patton. And welcome to another thrilling, ginormous episode of the Paranoia Podcast. Podcast. Cast, 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 cast. I am Olaf Phillips. Yes, Ron? (laughs) Hey. I used to be the former editor-in-chief of Paranoia. Now I'm the executive editor of Paranoia Magazine. And I'm Olaf Phillips. I'm the owner and publisher of Paranoia Magazine. And, of course, I go second. Thank you, Ron. Well, hey, I had to redefine my role with this company because, you know, actually, editor-in-chief is outdated now. Now it's executive editor, right? So, yeah, everything's executive. You know, you can be executive publisher too, or just publisher. Why would I? Why would I be the executive publisher? I own the I own the damn magazine. I know, but I'm just saying executive adds a little bit more. Uh, allure, you know, Par- paranoia is a paranoia is a small operation, Ron. I'm whatever the hell I want to be. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Well, I was just trying to beef you up, buddy. I'm I'm chief I'm chief stock boy. <laughs> Head customer service representative. There you go. <laughs> I'm the talent manager. Yeah. Human resources yeah. director. No, they don't call it. They don't call it like, like human resources anymore. Now, now it's like hap- director of happy people. <laughs> yeah. You know, I, I'll tell you something, Ron. You know, I, you know, I worked in startups for many years, right? Uh huh. You know, when you walk. I don't want to piss anybody off, but when you when you walk into an an off like a a company, mm-hmm. and they have a vice president of happy people, you mm-hmm. should walk out of the company. Yeah, Sounds yeah, nice. something's wrong. <clears throat> it reminds me of like the Stepford Wives, you know, mind control. Oh yeah, you know, yeah. I'm I'm not going to go there. Many many years ago, not where I work now, but many years ago. I worked in a company that was awful. It was absolutely awful. Not my current company. This was about 19 years ago Mm -hmm. during the dot-com bubble. I worked in a company that was absolutely awful, awful, awful. It was awful, awful with all the awfuls in the entire world. And they would, they would send out these emails out into the company and it would be the company shall remain nameless. And, And it would be like, happy people doing stuff and, and, and things are happy here and everything's so happy. And meanwhile, like everybody in my, my office is like, uh, you know. mm-hmm. yeah, they, they, they sent internal propaganda. It was pretty funny. Yeah. Any, times anywho, times have changed. Anywho, what we got tonight, Ron? Well, 
Tonight is a uplifting episode of the Paranoia Podcast. And uh, when we talked on the phone earlier, we thought it'd be a good uplifting idea to talk about death. And uh, yeah. I guess more specifically, um, untimely deaths of conspiracy researchers and political activists and whistleblowers. Uh, I think yes. that's where we should start off because, you know, you know, Ron, like there's, there's nothing to, there's nothing to lighten, nothing like lightening up the mood with a little death. Mm-hmm. Yeah, a, l- you know, a little there's body a, count uh, banter. Body count banter. You know, there, there's a, a TV station here, and for you know normal TV stations, they do, you know, they'll have like the the kind of puff piece. It's like, oh, over in over in Antioch today six puppies were born and they're so cute right that mm-hmm. kind of thing yeah not this not this one station this, we call it the blood death and mayhem station mm-hmm. it's like every day it's like four people got shot in downtown san francisco mm-hmm. <laughs> somebody's head exploded on the way on through the yerba buena tunnel <laughs> right. and then they, <laughs> they ever they want describe death it in detail you know they have some witness eyewitness saying Oh, there was just blood oh, yeah. all over the place, and you could see the guts hanging out. And oh, my daughter saw it, and she threw up all over the seat. And, yeah. Well, even even better, you know, now because we're in a perennial drought during the summer, mm-hmm. we get brush fires. And anytime there's a brush fire, man, that helicopter is out there circling around, watching the brush fire, and they put it on YouTube or on they put it on Facebook. There's like three, four thousand people watching this brush fire burn, mm-hmm. and I mean it's it's a brush fire. That's bad, but it's a brush fire. All you're right. watching is flames and dry grass, and then people mm-hmm. with hoses trying to put it out. But like yeah. four people, four thousand people are watching it, and all these comments are going through. Oh, that's so sad because it is. Oh, that's so right. sad. It's so awful. Anyway, and it's always breaking news, to, right? It's breaking news yeah, for breaking hours. News. Yeah, breaking breaking news. There's a brush fire. Oh, I'm not surprised. Anyhow, so we do have a point to tonight. So in discussing it with Ron, we decided to go through uh, the mysterious body count that exists in ufology and in conspiracy theory. Mm -hmm. And the reason is, is that, you know, many people, they'll watch conspiracy theory on TV or they'll watch Ancient Aliens, or they'll watch, a, you know, a video, or they'll <clears throat> they'll watch something else on YouTube or whatever. They read the magazine, mm-hmm. and they and they think, oh, you know, this is interesting stuff. That you know, these guys, men and women, these people are out there, you know, investigating this stuff. And boy, that must be a fascinating career, and it's so exciting. And you know, you're digging in the dark places people don't want you to go. And sometimes I think it's good to remind people that it is actually a hazardous occupation, that although you go and you dig and you dig and you find this information and, you know, for all kinds of altruistic reasons, you want to express it out into the public and say, hey, guys, MKUltra is bad. Well, you know, at the same time, by saying, hey, MKUltra is bad, the people who are running MKUltra are like, we don't like that. So then they come back and, you know, they threaten you or they follow you or they kill you or you die mysteriously. Now, 
myself, myself, Ron, maybe different, but myself, I've never been outright threatened. Nobody's ever come to my door. I've never had a visit from the men in black, anything like that. But back a long time ago, before I established a system of how I do conspiracy research, every time I got on an airplane, I got searched every time. And I would pick up the phone in the old days before it was digital, uh-huh. and I would hear clicking, and the clicking oh, yeah. would be them tapping my line. Uh-huh. So, yeah, so, you know, I was, I was harassed at some level. I, wasn't, I was never threatened. Uh-huh. You know, Clyde has a great story about, about men in black and being threatened. You know, uh-huh. most, most conspiracy researchers have a story about some oh, yeah. fallout. Yeah, fallout to what they were doing. Yeah. So I think it's important as a publisher of a conspiracy magazine that Ron needs to finish editing. I think yes. it was. I thought it was important that we discuss this and kind of look into it, so that you know when you, you the listener, are reading this stuff, that you understand that there that this is real. That the, these things are not fake. We don't publish fake stuff. We don't investigate fake stuff. And because of that, sometimes there are ramifications, mm-hmm. but most conspiracy researchers, the vast majority of them that are actually serious about it mm-hmm. and not in it for the quote unquote money, you know, they, it is a, it is a situation where, you know, you very much are putting yourself on the line, depending on what you're investigating. And, you know, the classic example that I use when people, when I you know, explain this to people is Jim Keith. Mm-hmm. Jim Keith was a phenomenal researcher. He wrote all kinds of books that are fantastic. Some of them are maybe a little dated now, but the but the you know his core books like Black Helicopters Over America one and two, mm-hmm. and <clears throat> Oki Bomb and a lot of these other books that he wrote. You know, they are just as interesting today as they were in the nineties. Right, he so wrote a really Jim good, uh, mind control book too. Oh yeah, world control, mind control, or mind control, world control. Yeah, that was excellent. Yeah, and 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 also the gemstone file, and he edited the gemstone file, and he wrote articles and all kinds of stuff. Very talented writer. Mm-hmm. And so he did, he used to go to Burning Man, which just ended, and one day he goes to Burning Man. And he falls he falls off a stage. Mm-hmm. It's a pretty innocuous thing that could happen to probably anybody at Burning Man. Right. And and I actually discussed this with Jerry Smith before he passed away. Yes. Um, which was also a little weird, I think. But yeah. he he yeah, but he fell off the stage and in the process of doing that he he really messed his knee up. I forget if he broke it or he just screwed it up, but he screwed up his knee super bad. So he goes in to the, to the doctor, and the doctor's like, we're going to have to do orthoscopic surgery. Now, orthoscopic surgery is a fairly low-risk kind of surgery, especially when it's done on your knee. And generally, <clears throat> they use a local anesthetic, so you're wide awake when it happens. Mm-hmm. But in, in Jim Keith's case, they're like, oh, no, no, we're going to put you out, and we're just going to fix your knee, rebuild your knee, and then you'll be fine. And so he had told Jerry, Jerry Smith, you know, hey, if they put me under, I'm not coming back. And then he told Ron Bonds, the guy who published all his books, he told mm-hmm. Ron Bonds this too. And he said, if they put me under, I'm not coming back. 
right? Yeah. Well, guess what? He didn't come back. Yeah. So, yeah. What did he, then, he died of some uh, rare infection, I believe. Yeah, that he had gotten when they were doing the surgery. Mm-hmm. And then, and then it, it gets it gets worse. So Ron Bonds, the guy who ran a, a publishing company called Illuminate, who published all the key stuff and some other stuff by you know by notable figures, mm-hmm. um, Carrie Thornley amongst others. Uh, Ron Bonds goes with his wife and a, another couple who are their friends. They lived outside of Atlanta, and they go into Atlanta to a Mexican restaurant just to have dinner and to hang out, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So every, everybody has everybody has dinner, and after dinner, uh, Ron Bonds isn't feeling well, mm-hmm. and so he goes. To, so he, I, I forget it. He goes to the doctor, and the doctor's like, "Oh, you have the flu." Mm-hmm. And like three days later, he died of some sort of bizarre infection that was some sort of salmonella infection that they claim that he got off of eating the salad, the lettuce and the salad at this restaurant. The problem mm-hmm. is nobody else got sick. Only he did. Yeah. So yeah, something's amiss regarding that. I, I would surmise. Very weird. Hello, hello. I can't hear ya. Hello. Okay, Ron, can you hear me? I can hear you now. <laughs> Okay, so where we left off. Yes. By the way, uh, listeners of the podcast, as I was telling the Ron Bond story, my cell phone uh, got kicked off the cell tower and uh, was deauthorized for making phone calls. So uh-huh. I had to restart it, and then it suddenly became authorized to make phone calls again. Again, well, this is something that happens. Something happens when you talk about this stuff. So Ron Bonds died. Yeah. 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 Well, you know, really quickly, um, I think I brought this up before in a previous episode of the Paranoia podcast. Uh, My friend Garen Franson and I, Garen's an inventor. um, We knew a guy by the name of Stanley Meyer, who's the inventor of the hydrogen fuel cell. And uh, he had a lot of death threats because he wouldn't sell his patent to the uh, oil companies. And uh, so right when they were going to uh, uh, sell public stock in the company, this was back around 1998 or 99, uh, he went to a restaurant with his brother uh, and a couple of investors. And as they were eating, um, Stan was turning red and ran outside and his brother followed him. And he told his brother, they poisoned me. Um, And he pretty much died right there. And uh, those two investors, I believe they were from Belgium, disappeared. Uh 
So, I mean, you know, that's that stuff happens, you know, where people are given some sort of uh, uh, virus or bacteria that's fast acting and it can, like with Ron Bond, it took a few days, right? With the alleged salmon. Yeah. But 15 hours. Could have been a salmonella that was, you know, sort of, um, you know, given to him or it was uh, appropriate for his DNA. You know, they could have, uh, you right. know, manufactured it in a certain way where only he would actually get sick from it. Uh, so, yeah, this stuff actually does happen. And I'm sure that's one of the, the uh, plethora of various ways that the CIA and other alphabet agencies can... Uh, terminate someone with extreme prejudice as they say well and, and i looked it up in the case of jim keith he he had when he fell he went to the washoe county hospital uh -huh. right near near burning man they put him under to do the surgery and he died of a blood clot in the icu oh boy so that's that's how yeah. he died and then Jer jerry smith i mean he you know, he seemed to be in pretty good shape, and then suddenly he got a fast-acting cancer, and he died. Yeah, well... Uh, I mean, I was shocked. Yeah, yeah my friend uh, Greg Bird and I actually... Greg set up a uh, a meeting for him in Olympia. Um, I forgot how many years ago, and uh, um, he seemed like he was fine, and then, boom, like, less than a year later, he's dead. Um, well, the, so, the, yeah. the guy's... The guy's name escapes me, but the most interesting one I, I heard was the guy who wrote um, Top Secret Tourism. I forget. His name escapes me right now. Hmm. But he published the book. Six months later, he, he died of cancer. Mm -hmm. Then, of course, there's Danny Casolaro, you know, who did research into the octopus. Mm -hmm. he, uh, they found him in a, in a bathtub. I mean, it just goes on and on and on and on. I mean, there, yeah, you know, there there are books written about about these people dying. The um, who is the guy in uh, Kill the Messenger? Um, Gary Webb. The Sacramento Gary, Gary Webb. Webb. He was actually a Pulitzer Prize winner, but right. then that was and then they tried back. They tried to take it back. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, they he, said it he, was phony. Basically, his story right. was phony, but that. The uh, uh, publisher, the publishing company that he was working with, was getting pressure from, uh, you know, various agencies, and so right. yeah, they had to kind of backtrack and part ways with him. So yeah, he was very much uh, somebody who was uh, on the chopping block because he was revealing too much. He was, you know, talking about how the CIA was running drugs and. Uh, also uh weapons in south central la and they were just keeping right. the, the the whole uh drug war and the, the gang war going in los angeles so yeah um and that, by the way that was an excellent movie i thought it was very well done i thought so too i i thought so too i thought that was really well done the guy who stars in it i like him a lot mm-hmm his his name escapes me right now too because I don't know I can't seem to remember anything tonight. That's okay. <laughs> but yeah, Gary Webb he was uh, somebody that was he was also delving into mind control type stuff as well before he died. Uh, yeah, there's a lot there's a lot of the mind control stuff. I mean, um, 
Oh, the the guy uh, who jumped out jumped out of the building. Um, Frank Olson, Doctor Frank Olson. Doctor Frank Olson, yeah. Mm-hmm. He, you know, he jumped out of a building and, right. and allegedly committed jumped, yeah. suicide. Allegedly, right. and basically, if you there's a really interesting documentary called Wormwood, and if you watch it, it turns out that there's a fair amount of evidence that he he wanted to expose a biowarfare and chemical warfare program that mm-hmm. was being run and they wanted to silence him and there yeah. there's this there's a CIA assassination manual mm-hmm. that i guess was was written by a by a magician of all people mm-hmm. and it it it, stip, it clearly d- says that if you're if you're going to bag somebody you have to hit them with an object on the right temple to make them unconscious. <clears throat> then you need to go above the 13th floor and then throw them out the window. Yeah. And so when they looked at Olson's body, he had blunt force trauma on, on the right temple, and he was thrown out of, I believe, the 13th story. Yeah. That's a whole, yeah. new, whole numerology thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so, pretty trippy. But, yeah, and, yeah. and well, and his his kid, his son, who has a PhD, I believe, from like Cornell or something, and oh yeah, in psych- psychology. He he basically got all the evidence to go after the government to say you assassinated my father. But what he learned at the end of the documentary, because the documentary follows him through this process of trying to reconstruct what happened, mm-hmm. at the end he finds out. You find out through him that it is apparently not illegal. You cannot sue the government for assassinating somebody. You can only sue the government for for wrongful or negligent death. Yeah. <laughs> and so he yeah. couldn't do anything about it. Mm-hmm. Because they willfully killed him, he couldn't mm-hmm. even sue the government for assassinating his dad. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and uh, who else? Michael Rupert. He was a law enforcement whistleblower, and I'm not exactly sure how he died, but I know that there was a lot of uh, chatter in regard to him. Uh, You know, he would expose quite a bit what was going on, and uh, he died uh, prematurely. Um, And, you know, earlier you talked about Danny Casolaro, who was putting together the octopus and, uh, you know, Inslaw and uh, Iran-Contra, sort of the tie-in with with all these different events, covert, clandestine events that were shaping our history back in the uh, 80s. Um, So I have a good friend, had a good friend by the name of David George in Olympia, Washington, who had a, a publication called the Evergreen Free Press, and he was uh, reprinting a lot of that stuff that Danny Casolaro was putting out. Um, right. And then he was also um, involved in investigating the uh, Paul Ingram case, which dealt with uh, satanic ritual abuse and uh, um, other types of nefarious activities going on in Thurston County, where I lived. And they even made a uh, movie about it. Um, I forgot the name of it, but uh, you know, it was like one of those uh, 
movies on ABC. And um, yeah. so he was investigating that. And when I first moved to Olympia in 1990, uh, it was still fresh in the news about this case because he was a deputy sheriff who was uh, charged with sexually abusing his daughters. But then the satanic uh, ritual abuse component came into play. And that's what started the sort of the national news. And this was also at the height of what was referred to as the satanic panic, right? So anytime right. any news item dealing with uh, Satanism was just sort of blown up. Um, so anyway, uh, he was looking into that and I was looking into it too, but I wasn't getting anywhere. Uh, I was trying to talked with one of the uh, under deputy sheriffs who was investigating the case and he really didn't want to say anything because it was under litigation at the time. And then also I was trying to talk to the people at the church living water where this uh, guy, Paul Ingram went and he was a elder at that church and they really didn't want to say anything. So I, you know, I just dropped it. It's like, okay, I guess I'll just, uh, you know, put that under the rug. But then later, a few years later, I met David George, and we started talking about mind control and conspiracy. And you know, mind you, this guy was you know like he was a hippie dude, kind of a great Grateful Dead fan, and wore tie dye shirts, and uh, he'd say, "Hey, I love you, brother." You know, like, "Hey, we let's get together, let's right. have some dinner." And you know, he was just a real peaceful, fun-loving kind of guy. But. Uh, he saw something that he shouldn't have seen up in Capitol Forest. Uh, he caught wind that they were going to be doing some sort of ritual up there. And he went up there and he saw the tail end of it. And he saw these people in robes, you know, with hoods on. And then they took their hoods off. And he recognized some of the people, which were politicians and, uh, you know, very well-known business people, too, in the Olympia area. And it just really freaked him out. And uh, so anyway, uh, when he got back home, I think within a few days, he got a phone call and the person on the other end of the line said, you know, you better stop looking in places you're not welcome to or, you're, or you'll end up dead. So, um, yeah, he was he was pretty freaked out and depressed and he was starting to, you know, do drugs or more drugs, I guess. Uh and then one night he was uh, at a bar in downtown Olympia and these two guys were supposed to give him a ride somewhere. And uh, they ended up uh, killing him and dismembering him. And they never wow. found his head. Uh, so allegedly it was because of a drug debt, right? But I mean, I think that's okay. kind of overkill to uh, actually you know, not just kill somebody, but to chop them off up and then put their, put his body in different places on this property in a ritualistic manner. So well, you also think that, that if, the, if they're going to, if they're coming after him for a drug debt, they want him to pay the money. If they kill yeah. him, he's not going to pay the money. Yeah. So there was a lot of rumors, a lot of theories that, oh yeah, because he was a cocaine addict and, you know, he owed, I think about two thousand bucks, but again, that, that's for two thousand dollars to do something like that. And you know, these were yeah. young guys, uh, like in their late teens, early twenties. And uh, one guy was actually a Turkish national, and then the other guy, um, 
his his mom was a prominent business owner in downtown Olympia. But, you know, it was just so shocking, you know, because it's like I saw him a few weeks before and asked, oh, hey, how you doing? And he goes, oh, I'm hanging in there. You know, it's like, oh, okay. Well, let's get together because at the time he was actually editing a uh, manuscript uh, for a friend of mine who was a MK Ultra mind control survivor in Nebraska, and yeah. uh, so he's trying to get that done. But uh, yeah, so st well, stuff like that happens. You know, what I'm saying there's always these cover stories, like with Danny Casalero allegedly committing suicide, but. You know, with the way the, the cuts were on his, I guess, on his wrists were not really congruent to how a person would actually cut themselves. Right. And the same thing with Gary well, Webb. Oh, he shot himself twice in the back of the head. Uh, yeah, back right. of the head. Come on. Yep. There's also, I'm, I'm looking at an article I wrote a while back for Paranoia. Uh -huh. And there's, an, there's, a, there's also the story of Ron Johnson. Who, he was attending a he was attending a lecture for the Society of Scientific Exploration, mm -hmm. and during the meeting, um, well, so Johnson was the was Mufon's deputy director of investigations, mm -hmm. and had worked for Hal Pudoff at EarthTech Inc., mm -hmm. and he was supposed to give a presentation, and so when the presentation starts, right, somebody yep. brings up a Diet Coke and puts it, and this is all film. He somebody puts a Diet Coke on the lectern, and he's like, "Oh, thanks," and he drinks some of the Diet Coke, and then the lights go down. Oh, right? I heard this story. Hear, yeah, yeah, I yeah. And you, yeah, you hear a gasp, and when the lights came back up, uh, Johnson was slumped over in his chair with blood oozing from his nose, and a soda can next to him on the chair. Mm -hmm. And the, the official cause of death was ruled inconclusive. But I mean, it, they literally filmed it, like he's standing there. And mm -hmm. somebody brings the Coke up, and he drinks. He's like, "Oh, thanks." He drinks it. Lights go down, you know, <gasps> and then then like thud, and then the lights come up, and he's just he's like laying there, and there's just like blood coming out of his ears and his nose mm -hmm. and his mouth, and and he's like, and there's like froth. I mean, and that was in the middle of a, a slide lecture, yeah, a slide presentation for a lecture. Mm -hmm. Then there was another story, um, Ann Livingston. Um, who was a part-time MUFON investigator. She wrote a book called Electronic Harassment and Alien Abductions, and she mm -hmm. died of a fast-acting fast form of ovarian cancer in 94. Mm -hmm. And her death came after a 1992 incident where five, five men dressed in black assaulted her in her home. Mm -hmm. And then within a year or two, she, she has a fast-acting fast ovarian cancer, and she dies. Right. Yeah, well, it's just like... Um... To Bob Marley, you know, famous right. reggae singer. Uh, yeah, he, he was given one. he was given uh, a pair of boots by this one guy. Uh, I forgot his name. Uh, his last name was Layton, and his father was actually um, with those folks in Jonestown. You know, Jim Jones's cult. Right. Jim Jones. Yeah, so yeah. his father was Jim, like. A former military special forces guy who was involved with the People's Temple. So anyway, uh, this Leighton guy gave uh, Bob Marley a pair of boots, and uh, you know yeah. Bob put them on, and 
there was something that sort of pinched his uh, heel, and it was, right. I guess, bleeding. Uh, and so it's like, oh, man, what the heck? And so he didn't wear them, but it was like a, a little wire or whatever. And so uh, shortly thereafter, he was diagnosed with, I believe, brain cancer. So yeah, sort of like, yeah. And so again, yeah. uh, fast acting types of cancer, I believe, uh, is something that they were probably working on at Fort Detrick, Maryland. That's that was like the head place for chemical and biological warfare. Uh, then there's also uh, the case of May Brussel, who's known as the Queen of Conspiracy, and she had a very right. uh, highly acclaimed radio show out of uh, Monterey um, back in the uh, 60s, 70s, and 80s. And uh, she was, you know, originally she was investigating the JFK assassination. And then um, probably about a year or so before she died, she was looking into the uh, Presidio daycare scandal that uh, Lieutenant Colonel Michael Aquino was uh, allegedly involved in for uh, abusing children. And so she was delving into that. At the same time, Alex Constantine was also kind of looking into it as well. But uh, so, yeah, May uh, had, a again, a very fast-acting type of cancer, and she died... Uh, shortly thereafter. So, you know, then uh, granted, there are, I'm sure there are cases where people who are in, whether they're in ufology or conspiracy or whatever, who die, people die, right? But yeah, when you start die. to put together the, the circumstances <clears throat> and uh, sometimes what the autopsy reports are and what the law enforcement and what other people are actually saying where they contrast differently, then you have to really question whether or not this was uh, intentional or it was just sort of the natural part of life where people contract some sort I of think, disease and die. I think, I think that what it is is that when you're, you're looking at these cases, right? They, you know, look, look for the oddities. I mean, Gary Webb shot himself in the back of the head twice. Yeah. How do you do that? Yeah. Right. There are, there are other cases where, where, uh, you know, somebody's, somebody's left handed and they put a gun to their, the right side of their head. Mm -hmm. Or in the case of, you know, Ron Johnson, he, he's giving a slide, he's about to give a slide presentation. He drinks a Coke and then he falls down and he dies. Yeah. You know, the, these are the moments when you look at, you know, when you look at the stories or the story that Clyde tells about the men in black, right? Mm -hmm. That blew up his car. You know, these moments, yeah. you have to, you have to look at them and you have to say there, there's something abnormal going on here. Mm -hmm. I mean, if somebody's very old and they, you know, or they're in a car, car accident mm -hmm. or whatever, you know, it, it's like, um, oh, um, how E. Howard Hunt, right? Mm -hmm. You know, E. Howard Hunt died as an old man, mm -hmm. did anybody bag E. Howard Hunt? No. E. Howard Hunt just died, right? But mm -hmm. E. Howard Hunt's wife was on a TWA airliner with like $2 million in cash in a briefcase when the airliner exploded over Chicago. That's a little different, right? Yeah. 
mm-hmm. you know, you, you can look at that and go, okay, well, there was a mechanical fault and, and the, you know, the wing tank blew and it blew the whole plane up and whatever. But at the end of the day, it's really odd that, that E. Howard Hunt's wife is on that plane with a briefcase with $2 million in cash going yeah. somewhere and just mm-hmm. happens to explode. Those right. are the moments when you ask yourself, that's beyond coincidence, mm-hmm. right? When I, when I talked to Alex Constantine in person about 12 years ago when he was up in Olympia, um, he came up uh, from Los Angeles uh, on a train. And I asked him, well, so you don't like flying? And he goes, uh, no. <laughs> and I asked him, you know, why? And he said, because he knows the, the CIA has, has a manual on different ways of taking out people, and he knows about what they do with planes. So, you know, he was really paranoid about flying because he's known people who died very suspiciously on uh, airplanes whether they be you know smaller ones or bigger ones, and so yeah, he was very paranoid about traveling uh, on a plane. Yeah, don't don't stay in a hotel with over twelve floors. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Ugh, man. But it's you know, but you know, it's it's one of those things that that if if you go through if you go through, you know, people associated with ufology, even back to Frank Edwards and John Keel and Mm -hmm. and these guys, you know, if you go all the way back and you look at these people involved with ufology or conspiracy theories that sometimes if you look at the people who die and they die in strange ways, you know, when I wrote the book, when I wrote the book about the secret space age, right. Mm -hmm. One of the chapters I put in there was the body count associated with the secret secret space program Mm -hmm. and there was a company called marconi that that does electrical equipment and they were working on star wars and other things Mm -hmm. and it was it was tremendous the number of engineers working on those programs who had died in Mm -hmm. car accidents jumped out of buildings Mm -hmm. you know died of a you know sudden allergic reactions i mean you know i i think i cataloged 20 or 30 people of a division that probably had a hundred people in it where these, these people died of, in these bizarre ways. Right. And it's, it's one of those things that when you're dealing in this world, sometimes you have to look at the case of the person dying mm-hmm. and, and say, Oh, that doesn't seem right. Like Jim okay. Keith, you know, mm-hmm. he told somebody, he said, if they put me under, I'm not coming back. They put mm-hmm. him under to do knee surgery. He dies of a yeah. blood clot. Yep. Ron Bonds, the guy who publishes them, he dies. Frank Edwards dies, the guy who published Frank Edwards dies. You know, there's a lot of that kind of stuff that happens. And so you have to kind of look at it with a critical eye. Yeah, yeah. And then um, there's somebody who who you know and I know very well. Yes. um, By the name of Tracy Twyman, who uh, passed away a little over a month ago. And uh, she was actually, I actually um, took her position uh, as executive producer of Ground Zero. She was uh, the producer for a few months and then, um, you know, she no longer, she wanted to pursue her own uh, uh, writing interest and putting out books. So she'd quit Ground Zero and then I took her job. But uh, Tracy is a very prolific research, occult esoteric researcher 
and you know very mm-hmm. well known in the conspiracy and uh, occult community. Uh, very right. good writer too, and yeah, you know, she knew her stuff. Yeah. So we would have her on Ground Zero quite a bit. And actually, I was on uh, one of her uh, shows, I think it was back in 2011, right when they had the uh, Jerry Sandusky Penn State uh, you know, child oh, sure. sex scandal that was going on. Mm-hmm. And so I came on to her show and talked about that. And then we talked about the Franklin cover-up and about pedophile rings that were going on. And so she really started uh, delving into that. Um, back then, and then she really started looking into it more recently over the past year. You know, she was basically she was trying to like figure out what was fact and what was fiction regarding Pizzagate, right? Because right. you know that's something that was sort of like I think blown out of proportion. But definitely, I believe children were being sexually abused and things were going on. It's just that the whole Pizzagate thing took a life of its own. And very similar to what was going on with the satanic panic back in the 80s and 90s, you know. Sure, yeah, yeah this, this stuff is going on, but the, the media would start really pumping it up to more than what it actually was. And so right. that created a lot of hysteria, especially with uh, religious people, uh, especially sure. Christians. But anyway, um, so I'd spoken to Tracy uh, both Clyde Lewis and I spoke to Tracy uh, a week before she allegedly committed suicide. And, um, you know, she was a little tentative uh, talking with us at first, but she was very hopeful, though, at the same time. You know, like things were kind of turning around for her. She kind of went dark for a while. And, and you know, the reason she went dark and shut some stuff down from her website was because she was getting these uh, threats from a few people. And uh, the reason why she thinks she was getting these threats is because she was looking into these pedophile rings that were going on. And I think she was uh, corresponding, I believe, with Isaac Cappy or or talking a lot about what was going on with Isaac Cappy, who was a um, Hollywood actor, you know, he's a bit actor, not, not very well known. And Isaac Cappy was um, talking a lot about uh, pedophilia in Hollywood and what was going on. And so mm-hmm. she was kind of following the thread with what Isaac Cappy was putting out. And then uh, she was also in correspondence with this uh, one guy where he was uncovering these uh, videos from the dark web and they had to deal with, um, you know, this child sex trafficking. Yeah, it was, well, well, it it was so bad that uh, this one guy that she was in correspondence with uh, had a mental breakdown and and went to, uh, was institutionalized for a while. And uh, it it shook up uh, Tracy to the extent where, you know, she shut everything down, especially when she was getting threatened, you know. Because she, you know, she yeah. knew this stuff was real, and you know, she was paranoid. And usually, when a person is paranoid, they think highly about their lives. They they don't want to die, right? When you're paranoid, so um, no, she wasn't exactly. suicidal. And uh, 
so yeah, um, you know, I, I got a call from uh, Clyde uh, about a week later, and uh, he said that Tracy Twyman died. It's like, and I go, how? And, well, she committed suicide. And it's like, what? And he, he just said he was still looking into it. And so, you know, we I got to the office, and then he called up the Vancouver, Washington Police Department, and you know, they, they confirmed that she had uh, passed away earlier in the morning, right. I guess, the day before. And it was just like, we were just in shock. And because sure. she was supposed to be on the show and we we're supposed to talk about uh, Midsommar, the movie. <clears throat> and um, so anyway, um, yeah, Clyde and I, I just, was in shock. I called, yeah. I called you right away. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and, and, you know, she had a young boy. And she loved her son a lot, and she, she was very protective of him. So, again, you know, this whole, like, she's depressed and wanting to kill herself thing that some people were putting out was not true. Yeah, you can be depressed, right? But it doesn't mean you're suicidal. It's just like, you know, certain. we all go through depression. I have, you, you have, we all have. Sure. We all have various Everybody thoughts has. now and then, but... It's sort of like, uh, again, she was extremely paranoid about a lot of different things, and she loved her son and cared deeply for him, and there's you know, no way in hell, I believe, she would do that to herself, unless she was under some sort of mind control or hypnosis or whatever, you know. But uh, inter interestingly, we had uh, uh, a week after she died, we had... Um, a, a psychic by the name of Sloan Bella on the show. Right. And, and Sloan, you know, what she does is something that's very unique. She's able to sort of uh, see what's going on the other side with these people. And cool. <clears throat> and um, so she had uh, felt that uh, Tracy did not commit suicide. She was actually meeting up with a couple of people that she um, knew, right? And then something went amiss, and she felt very betrayed, you know. And uh, what Sloan was feeling is that she was either given something or put under hypnosis, you know, some sort of, like, drug to make her, um, like, paralyzed. Right. She was conscious, right, but she couldn't move her body. And then, the, you know, noose was put on her neck and a chair was like right underneath and they kicked it out and boom. Now, I mean, that this is what Sloan was seeing, right? And yeah. uh, I guess there was some other psychic who was picking up the same thing independently of Sloan. You know, I found out later. Oh, wow. You know, I got a, I got a um, message on Facebook about that. So, yeah. Um, it was, again, it was extremely sad because it was very personal. We both knew Tracy and you know, we may not have agreed with the, her methodologies and, you know, right. playing her with a Ouija board all the time, thinking that she could sort of like reason with Baphomet and other, uh, yeah. you know, demons. Uh, but at the same yep. time, I, I think doesn't she, mean she's a bad person. No, not at all. Not at all. No. But uh, she was uncovering a lot of things that most people would not be able to comprehend. She was a very bright person, too. 
And, you know, she realized she made some mistakes in her life, but she, again, she seemed like she was hopeful and wanted to get together with Clyde for lunch and, you know, uh, get on the show a little bit more, you know? So again, this is sort of adding to that uh, body count. You know, we had brought up the body count earlier, but what about the Clinton body count? You know, I, I remember that back actually back in the mid nineties when that body oh, yeah. count was like, uh, I don't know, it was like around 60 or 70 people at the time where they were saying that these yeah. are all people that were close to the Clintons and these are the way that they died. Well, they, were, they were also linked to them through Whitewater and and through the um, Woodsy Airport. Yeah. Yeah, what's Ar- that airport? Yeah, where they were running, the CIA was running drugs in and out of it. Yep. Yep. Yeah. You know, but, I'll tell you now something. Now that, that body count is in the hundreds. <laughs> so, well, yeah. I'll tell you something, you know, I never, I never really put a lot of, you know, as a conspiracy guy, you've got to kind of mm-hmm. pick your battles. Yeah. And for a long time, you know, I, I never really put a lot of faith in the, in the Clinton body count. I mean, it's uh-huh. a very popular topic. I mean, if you yeah, well, yeah. Google it, yeah, if you Google it, you'll find bazillions of results. But I, I don't know, for some reason, I couldn't like buy into the idea that there was this body count. Until mm-hmm. one day when when Epstein died, then I changed my opinion. Yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah, it's the, like, gar- the guards. Well, everybody knew that and... he was going to die. See, that's what gets me is most people thought, oh, he's not going to last in there, you know? No. So no. nobody thought he was going to survive it. Yeah. So for a lot of reasons. Yeah. But it's still a shock when it actually happens. Yeah. Yeah, when it actually happens, and then you look at the series of events, you know, he's put on suicide watch, then they take him off suicide watch, then they put him on, then they take him off. Mm-hmm. You know, the camera the camera that's supposed to be fixed on him is shut off. The uh-huh. two guys that are supposed to be minding him, they they conveniently fall asleep, and boom, he hangs himself. And now, right. there's, now there's stories emerging. I don't know how true or not true they are. There's stories emerging that a week before he died, you know, he he wrote he changed his will and all kinds of strange mm-hmm. things right. that are yeah. Well, and some things you know, are are true, some things are unsubstantiated, but uh, right. one thing is certain that he was involved in some very very nefarious acts against children and uh, oh, trafficking yeah. and uh, you know child abuse, sexual abuse. Yeah, so it's sort of like. Oh, yeah. You know, in a way, it's like, oh, well, he des- he got what he deserved. But on the other hand, it's like there's so many unanswered questions about who are all these people that he pimped kids out to. And right. that, that information will probably, yeah, most likely that stuff won't come out for a while. I'm sure there's a list. No. I'm sure there's a black book. But who has it? Yeah, who has it? And does it still exist now? Right. Yeah. I mean, there the reason one of the reasons why i thought to myself boy this is you know this this one maybe changed my mind was around the same time somebody lit his island on fire mm-hmm. it's like there there were people maybe clintons are involved maybe not but there were people that were definitely trying to cover stuff up for somebody because they lit all his stuff on fire on that yeah. island and and then he he mysteriously hung himself 
Yep. But again, you know, the, when you get into when you get into assassinations, I mean, the, the conspiracy researcher body count is one thing, mm-hmm. but when you get into assassinations, that's a whole that's a whole nother thing. <laughs> oh yeah, that, <clears throat> you can go on for hours about all that stuff. Well, and then the, the different ways of taking people out uh, are yeah. different now, um, and I've I've always talked about how if J. Edgar Hoover did not like you, most likely you ended up dead, you know, and uh, he definitely didn't like uh, a lot of the uh, uh, musicians, you know, the so-called hippies back in the 60s, and, uh, you know, people like Jim Morrison and Janis Joplin and Jimi Hendrix. Yeah, which, uh, yep, which... uh, uh, Alex Constantine chronicled in his excellent book called The Covert War on Rock. You can check that out on Amazon.com, but a uh, very excellent book on how these people died very suspiciously and very differently uh, than what the um, uh, media said and what the actual autopsy reports were. So there was a big disparity in how these, uh, you know, very well-known and popular musicians uh, had died allegedly from drug overdose or whatever. Well, not just that. I mean, you you look at like Mark David Chapman, you know, when he shot John Lennon, I mean, you know, he, that whole thing went down very oddly and the whole, the connections to catcher in the rye. Yeah. You know, John Hinckley Jr. Catcher in the rye again. Yeah. Sirhan Sirhan. I mean, they're all linked. And right. Sirhan Sirhan claims that he can't remember anything at all. Yeah. Yeah, so the, that was sort of the day where the, they had the lone nut or the lone gunman. And uh, right. today we have the phenomena of mass shootings. You know? Uh, yeah. You, just, there was you didn't have that today. kind of stuff back in the 60s and 70s. But it Even seemed in the like 80s. <laughs> well, yeah, but in the 90s, all of a sudden, you know, what happened in Columbine and... Uh, oh, yeah. Yeah, it just seems like it's increased exponentially over the past couple of decades. So, what are your well, thoughts? You know, we had mass shootings. Well, you know, we had that we had um, that podcast we did a couple ago about mass shootings, mm-hmm. <clears throat> and and he was saying uh, Ryan was saying that that he noticed that in the news articles that certain numbers kept coming out, right? Mm-hmm. And I was there was a one today in Texas, and I looked. I was reading the article about it because obviously I'm a human being, and these things are very tragic, and it's very troubling to me as a, a person. And take yeah. away the conspiracy stuff, and you know, as a human being, you know, these things trouble me and they bother me. <clears throat> so whenever they happen, you know, I'm like everybody else. I want to read the news article and mm-hmm. see what happened. What was this guy thinking? Yada yada. And one of the things that struck me is that apparently, according to the, the news article I read, that the that it started at 3.13 p.m. Texas mm-hmm. time. Right. Which is very weird because 3 and the number 13 have very occultish, mm-hmm. you know, representations. Right. I was also curious about something. When when did, did Tracy pass? Do you remember if it was in June, right? Um, 
Let me think. No, I believe actually it was in July. It was in July? Because there's also a phenomenon where these things occur, whether it's, it's famous people dying or, you know, it's mass shootings or it's just weird deaths occur mm-hmm. around June 24th. Because mm-hmm. that's, you know, that's the, the summer, um, not the solstice, but it's um, midsummer. Right. So, yeah. But but in but in this case, I'm reading the article and it's like it started at 3:13, and it's like, what are the odds of it starting at exactly 3:13? I mean, you would think they'd say, well, it happened around because we don't know exactly when it happened. It would happen around 3:15, right? But no, they were very clear that <clears throat> that it was 3:13, and I want to say there were like 23 people that were injured or something like that as well. Mm-hmm. So right. you, yeah, you have these 23 numbers. is very significant as well. Right. And so you have these numbers that keep appearing when these events happen. And mm-hmm. it really makes you wonder, you know, what's going on. Yep. It's very weird because I noticed that right away. Because 313, the number three and the number 13 are very, very significant occultishly. Mm-hmm. So it, and remember, remember podcast fans and podcast listeners. Mm-hmm. Always remember this. It doesn't matter what you believe, whether you believe this stuff is real or not. When it mm-hmm. comes to things like occult, the occult and numerology and, and these weird alignments that happen. In fact, I read an interesting one about the Murrah building when uh, Timothy McVeigh blew it up. Mm-hmm. That they, they, scrambled, they scrambled 665, um, like, um, um, 665 uh, rescuers, mm-hmm. like searchers, to go through the rubble, just short of 666. But again, it, it doesn't matter if you think this stuff is real or not. They do. Mm-hmm. They think it's yeah. real. So there's a pattern that emerges around the beliefs that th- this nebulous, nefarious group of people has. They believe these things are true. So they align their events that they want to trigger to things that are significant to them. Mm-hmm. Is 13 an unlucky number? In some societies, it's a very lucky number. But to the people who calculate this event to happen, and, I, you know, I don't, I don't think any of these, you know, I'm not one of the conspiracy people who thinks, you know, these are all fake events and, you know, they're actors and people are still alive or whatever. I don't buy that. I, I take it at face value that all these things happen, and I think it's horrifying. But yeah. <clears throat> what's interesting to me is that if you take it at face value and you say, okay, just like we talked about on the other podcast, okay, these things are real. There's not, they're not crisis actors. I think that's all BS. But if you take it for face value that these things actually have happened, which I believe they have, you start to see weird patterns inside of them. And as Ryan pointed out, you start to see these weird numbers that are reoccurring like mm-hmm. today 3 13 p.m he started mm-hmm. shooting people at exactly 3 13 right i think that How was actually tell- yesterday though when this occurred oh right yesterday but i mean it, it was yesterday sorry but but how do you how do you have a guy who is apparently nuts mm-hmm. decide to start opening fire on people at exactly 3 13 yeah I mean, is he looking at his watch going, oh, I can't start shooting at people yet. It's 312. 
Mm-hmm. I gotta wait until it's three thirteen. No, right. It, the, no, the, I, the I think that's just how that they frame it. I don't think it was at that exact that's how time. They frame it. Yes. Oh, no, I doubt it. it. But that's how they frame it. Yep. And they're framing it for a reason. Mm-hmm. And the question that we all remember, you know, when you tune tune into our illustrious podcast, we don't always have the answers. But what we're trying to do is is to inform you and tell you about stuff, but also make you think. So right. I'm presenting possibilities. We're presenting alternative right. ideas, you know, to make people ponder and and contemplate that. Yeah, maybe in fact there is something different to what the official narrative or official story is actually, you know, being put out through mainstream news. Yeah. Starting at exactly 313. Mm -hmm. I mean, these numbers repeat themselves. 313, 23, 42. Mm -hmm. These numbers are all over these events. Yep. And, you know, when you have a mass casualty event and you have so much suffering and pain and, and loss, Mm-hmm. These these articles that are being written as it happens, they don't have the answers. They're reporting what they've heard. They're reporting what they're told. You know, mm-hmm. I don't think that I don't think the the writer of the news article necessarily sat down and said, "Oh, I better make this three thirteen so it has the cult significance." Somebody told them that number. Mm-hmm. But why? That's the question that I have. What what is the larger what is the larger construct here, right? We see all these mass shootings happening mm-hmm. and terrible loss of life, and it hurts me. I mean, it pains me as a human being that right. somebody would do this to other people. But <clears throat> when we get the narrative of it, why are these numbers constantly in there? Why are these events taking place? What's mm-hmm. the bigger picture? And I really don't know. Right. Well, not only, I think, is there some sort of like occult numerology that's taking place, but then there's also the etymology. There's certain names right. that are used that have certain meanings. And uh, Michael A. Hoffman, who wrote uh, uh, Psychological Warfare and Secret Societies, really good book, um, really gets into that and the revelation of the method and, and why sort of the uh, you know, this underlying group, whoever's doing it, right, puts the information out as a way to basically send a message to people on the inside, like, okay, this is what we're doing. And then on the outward, from the outward perspective, it's sort of like a slap in the face or like, uh, you know, hey, we can do whatever we want and you can't do anything about it. So according to his, his, um, perspective the revelation of a method is sort of a a a twofold way of of getting the information out one on an outward level and one on a inside esoteric level well i'll give you a great example of that do you remember bcci oh yeah yeah so when bcci happened basically the the vatican bank got caught money laundering money through Banco Credit Commerce International and a, a subsidiary Banco Ambrosiano. And there was this guy, Roberto Calvi, who ran the whole operation. And they were funneling money into anti-communist groups. Mm-hmm. And, and Calvi was the one who was in charge of, of shunting the money around. 
So it would come in from the Vatican Bank into BCCI, pass through Banco Ambrosiano. And this is the whole propaganda duet thing, the P2 thing, where P2 is a P2 is a secret Masonic lodge because uh-huh. in the cath well in the Catholic Church you can't be a Mason and a Catholic, so the Catholic Church has decreed. So they wanted some sort of a secret society aside from the Knights of Columbus, I guess. So they created this thing called P2 Propaganda Due, and in P2 it was a Masonic lodge, and there were all these very powerful people. Uh, from Italy and other places, and they're doing they're shunting the money through. Okay, well this guy knows that guy. We can get it to this group and whatever. And they're financing all these counter counter communist operations because the the Vatican has always had a thing for for communist revolutionaries. Because when you're a communist revolutionary and you you preach mm-hmm. Marxism, right? The yeah. teachings of Karl Marx. Mm-hmm. When you teach Marxism to the peasants in the, the quote-unquote proletariat that, you know, one of the things that they teach them is, is atheism. And so the Catholics didn't like that. Mm-hmm. You know, all opiate of the mass, religion and opiate of the masses and all that. So mm-hmm. I forget how it happened, but the whole thing came unglued. And so Calvi had all this documentation, just boatloads of documentation about because, you know, he's an accountant, so he knows where all the money went. He has a total accounting for everything. And so he made a copy and he gave it to his secretary, right? He said, keep this in case something happens to me. Well, Calvi disappears. And he resurfaces in London, hanging from Blackfriars Bridge. Now, to the normal person, and I I actually remember watching this on like NBC News, like Mm -hmm. Tom Brokaw. Now, to the normal person, he was hanging upside down, and, and I believe his throat had been slit. But they mm-hmm. showed a long shot of him swinging on a bridge. Mm-hmm. And to most people, right, they saw that and they go, oh, my God, that guy's dead. He's hanging from a bridge, right? Mm-hmm. But to the people who know, they saw the way he was hanging. Right. And the way he was hanging was a message. The location is a message. The shape that his body formed was a message mm-hmm. to people who knew. And it was basically, I suspect, the message was, shut the hell up and then right. within within days calvi's secretary committed suicide by jumping off the top of a building hmm. it was a huge apartment building she jumped off of it right so you know once again we have the kind of outward facing inward facing the outward facing is okay calvi you know calvi was assassinated and that's super bad Mm-hmm. But the inward facing is sending a message to a whole lot of people mm-hmm. because of the way it was done. All right. Okay, don't be don't be like Calvi. Yeah, yeah. Again, that's a, a really good uh, way to describe the revelation of the method, the inside and the outside. I think it's it's probably the Calvi thing was probably one of the most. You know, and I, I read somewhere that the, the location where it was done and, and the, the shape that his body made mm-hmm. were a message. And, yeah. and you know, to, to the guys on the inside, men and women of the inside, mm-hmm. you know, they, they got that message loud and clear. And they probably mm-hmm. went to ground and said, no, I'm not going to be a part of this. All right. But it is. The revelation of the method and all that is very much a – Inward facing, outward facing kind of deal. On the outward facing, 
there's a huge loss of life. There's, you know, this terrible event has taken place. A lot of people are hurt. A lot of people died. Mm-hmm. You know, it's, it's sick and, and gross and unfortunate. On the inward facing, it's like that's sending a different message to people in the know of, yep. okay, don't do anything or it's time to do something or do this or don't do that. And it's all buried within the numbers, buried within the dates, buried within the times, buried within the names, buried within the locations. Mm-hmm. Everything means something. Right. It's like watching a Stanley Kubrick film. Everything oh, yeah. means something. Right. Right. Yeah. It's just layers and layers of uh, esoteric uh, thought and perspective. And, uh, you know, the, 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 the cinematography too, the way he oh, yeah. was able to angle the cameras in a certain way was very revealing and it had a, that even had a message. So yeah. Oh yeah. Would... Every, every one of Kubrick's movies had a message. I mean, whether you buy into the, he was part of the fake moon landing or not, mm-hmm. you know, even extract yourself from that and just look at what he, the films that he's making. Yeah. You know, the way everything means something. There are so many hidden messages in every one of his films. And mm-hmm. I think it should be pointed out that his last film was Eyes Wide Shut, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. So he makes Eyes Wide Shut and then he dies. Yeah. Yep, which is, another again, one a little strange. Who died um, prematurely. I guess we all died so. prematurely, but, you know, again, it, yeah. it just seems like... Uh, the way people pass away and what they were doing at the time sometimes leaves a lot of, uh, you know, suspicion. Yep. Well, yeah. And I mean, if you look at Kubrick, for example, right, all the films that Kubrick made were all very interesting. Right. Mm -hmm. But why did he make eyes wide shut? Mm -hmm. I mean, I've seen, I've never seen eyes wide shut. Oh, I have several times. And you know what? Each time I watch it, I gain a little bit more in-depth perspective, you know, in terms of how... What he was saying. Yeah, well, and the mechanisms of of the the doublespeak of people who are sort of elitist or whatever. And just like in Rosemary's Baby, when I watch that, it's like, you know, the way that... that, uh, you know, people, you know, I don't like to use the word Illuminati, but, you know, people who are on the inside, sort of speak, right. the way they communicate with each other, right, in sort of this encoded uh, esoteric language that they only know. And the people on the outside looking in are going, what the hell are these guys saying? <laughs> you know, But, uh, well, yeah, and, so and, those and two movies were, were very revealing. But, yeah, Eyes Wide Shut, dude, you got to watch that. It's the only movie I haven't seen. Why? Because it's the last. I have seen the others. Yeah. Well, I think it's time, brother. I have to watch come, it. Yeah. Come Please. up to Portland. Come up to Portland and we'll watch we'll it watch here. It. Yeah. Yeah. So, you Make know, a special trip. And what what was the other what was the other one that Polanski did? The ninth gate? Didn't he do the ninth gate? With Johnny uh, Depp? I believe so. Yeah, that was really yeah. trippy. Yeah. <clears throat> but again, the same, you know, the same situation. I mean, if you look mm-hmm. at Rosemary's Baby and the Ninth Gate, you know, you're dealing with the same kind of problem. 
She right. doesn't know that she's she's carrying the Antichrist, and he sorry yeah. that's a spoiler. Oh, and well. he doesn't know that he's opening opening the gateways to hell. Spoiler. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But in, in both in both situations, Polanski is is showing, you know, how these people are rubes and they're being kind of conned into into you know, mm-hmm. into doing very dastardly satanic stuff. Right. Yep. But I suspect, you know, that I've I've long held the belief that there was a reason why Kubrick made Eyes Wide Shut. Mm-hmm. It's not it's not like his other movies. It's you know no. I mean his movies in general like have a there's an error of don't trust the man. Well and they've always been extremely symbolic, a lot of symbology attached to them. Oh yeah, but but I mean, in, in most of his movies, it's like don't trust the man. You know, mm-hmm. the, the man is is not good. Mm-hmm. Even in two thousand one, you know, don't trust the man, right? Yeah, the whole thing was a lie. <clears throat> That's why you know Hal went crazy. Mm-hmm. But there's something I don't know. I just I felt like there was something about Eyes Wide Shut, like the reasoning why he made the film, mm-hmm. because it is kind of a departure from. I mean. You know, it's kind of a, of a departure from the other films that he made. Oh, yeah. And well, yeah, I can say that since I've seen most of his movies. And, yeah, got to watch it, buddy. Yeah, you got to yeah. watch it to believe it. <coughs> I do have to watch it. All right, Ron. Well, I think oh. we come to the end of another magnanimous uh, paranoia podcast. We've come to the climax uh, of another yes, the, the, thrilling episode. Yes, the climax has been achieved. <laughs> well, uh, normally we ask people to say where they can find their stuff, but it was just me and Ron. So, you know, paranoia magazine dot mm-hmm. uh, com. You can find us paranoia magazine on Facebook. You can find me and Ron on Facebook. We're easy to find. Um, Instagram is paranoia mags. Mm-hmm. Uh, you can follow my trippy my trippy life as I bake pies and and build uh, Cold War Lego kits. Well, I'm sorry, they're not Lego kits. Cold War building block kits. And you you see my latest one, the Chinese helicopter? No, I haven't. Oh yeah, I did. I yeah, saw I that picture. No, you, yeah, yeah, you you have that. I did. I take yeah, that back. WZ10. But uh, you know, hey, I'm always on the lookout for a T72 uh, building kit models if you happen to find one uh i love those i would love to find an mi24 i found an mi24 but it's like rainbow colors and i'm like no mm-hmm. yeah <laughs> you're not can't that an mi24 rainbow. yeah <laughs> i can't no it, it's a military helicopter and it, it in rain in these like bizarre circus colors is not yeah what an mi24 is yeah the only one i ever found was was there's a company that takes actual lego bricks uh-huh. They custom build kits and it was like six hundred bucks and I'm like, mm-hmm. I want an MI24 but not that badly. Yeah. So, um, but yeah, I bake I bake pies, go to weird places, talk to interesting people, uh, and I build uh, building kits around the Cold War. Mm-hmm. So uh, check out Paranoia Par- uh, Mags on Instagram. Mm-hmm. Ron, take good care and keep the faith. Hey, everybody, especially right now, you know, we've had a lot of mass shootings. Look, be excellent to one another, man. I mean, really, we're all humans. We're all here for a reason. 
you know, let's just stop this stuff. Let's just love everybody and be peaceful and put me out of business as a conspiracy nut. Have a good night. And uh, again, be excellent to one another. Thanks. Bye. Thank you for listening to Paranoia Radio, hosted by Olaf Phillips and Ron Patton. Sponsored by Paranoia Magazine. Read it now. Paranoiamagazine.com Intro theme, The Guide, was composed by Scott Moon. ScottMoon.net Outro theme, Fighting Trousers, is by Professor Elemental. ProfessorElemental.com Voiceover written and performed by Mr. Lobo, host of Cinema Insomnia. Watch new episodes on OSI 74. Visit us at OSI74.com We are resuming control. For now.